Hello and welcome to the words we use. Have you ever struggled with finding the right words to give meaning, depth, and clarity to your message? We have, and that's exactly what we're going to examine. Come along with us as we expand our communication knowledge. PWWU team, please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Pat. Hi, I'm Sue. Hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Carissa. Hi, I'm Bill. Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Gary. And, and we, we are, are the Word Reviews. Today I would like to introduce our guest, Charlie Cunninger. He is a children's author. He wrote the book, Wyatt's Big Day. Charlie was inspired to write the book after he observed the courage of the wood duck ducklings jumping from their tree nest and living after they hit the ground. It is a delightful story of a one day old duckling named Wyatt, who must find the courage to face his fears of leaving the tree nest. His fears are similar to those of children as they leave their nest to enter daycare, kindergarten, school, and home. For the past 15 years, Charlie has slowly transitioned from a home remodeling career to that of a children's author. He has always believed that transitions come with new personal and professional opportunities. There was the potential to build new skills, relationships, and adventures, but we must commit to doing so like explorers looking for hidden treasures. Please welcome Charlie. Good afternoon, Charlie. We're, afternoon. we're glad to have you here. What, what made you decide to become a children's author? You know, that's a good question. And I think it, it came to be because I, had, I was in a transition to write, again, in sort of my late 50s, a transition to write a manuscript that would motivate baby boomers. And I wrote four manuscripts and I threw them all away because I it didn't just didn't have the passion, didn't have, didn't have the energy to motivate me to really produce them in a book. So then when we were living on Forest Lake early morning, I walked out, it was the May morning, and I saw these something falling from the tree, and it was and it ended up to being 10 wood duck ducklings who are one day old. They hatch one day and the next day they have to leave the nest. If there's a big hole in the maple tree and they bounced on the ground and they lived and they went with their mother to the lake and that I thought any animal that that's that courageous who can and the, the mother called them and they jump and on the trust of their mother I need to write a book and that and I love nature anyway and that was my passion I had really not had a passion for publishing those manuscripts for baby boomers but I did have a passion for children because I had our own three children and and so that was really the driving force why I published that book and it was about courage. It's courage over fear, as you said in my introduction. It's children need to have courage. We all do as adults. I mean, this is not only a, a children's book, it's for adults too. It's a, the message is to overcome your fear and move forward in life, right? That's it. What's the next stage? What's, what's next around the corner? What's, how can I, how can I uh, uh, feed my curiosity? That's quite a transition from remodeling homes to an author. How did you make that transition? It must have been very stressful. The stress I can remember very clearly is the uncertainty of what, where would I go when awesome. if I left uh, remodeling? Because I loved remodeling, and it was something new, something new every day. There was creating. I had, and I'm, I'm the kind of person that must see 
it's it has to be black and white. It's not it can't be a gray area. That was allowed my creativity to blossom, I guess. And it took a long time. I didn't know if the, the finances, how expensive it was going to be. I didn't know. I know I only have a certain number of years left on this earth. And I said, well, if this is a bust, chasing his dream is a bust, then I've lost that time. I've lost the money. Uh, Molly was saying, you know, I don't know about this. This doesn't sound like a really good idea. There was, like I said, an uncertainty and it's losing that identity too. They, well, I have an identity as a remodeler and I'm quite good at it. And it's something that was very easy uh, visually to, to understand, to see and what the customer wanted and created. So this is, uh, this is a little more difficult is writing and seeing, well, is this going to work out? And it's not like nailing a board or cutting a board or something that has real substance to it. It is words and, and how, how will the words be perceived by the reader? I guess maybe did I answer that question? Yes, thank you. You went from one type of creativity, the remodeling, to a totally different type of creativity. That was quite a transition. What about the other transitions in your life? How have they built your life? I can think of uh, when I first met Molly and it was, and we finally decided we were going to get married, but about a month before, we had everything arranged, all limitations sent out before we were going to get married, I, I got cold feet, and I said, I, I can't do this, I can't, go I can't go through with it, and I remember quite clearly how freedom was, I thought freedom as being a single, with you know, a low responsibility, more or less, that jump, that leap of faith, of courage, more, more or less, into marriage was going to crimp my freedom. Mm-hmm. However, then I, I started thinking about it and I thought, well, I, I just love, I love her and I know that she will be a great partner. So then we were, we were married and then we decided we were not going to have children. But then after a while, we thought, well, it's just as this is, sounds like the best game in town. So then that was adding another level of responsibility. And from there, you know, went on and on and so that's the, um, there's a number of transitions that one has to take, right? Once you have, once we had children, then we had to clothe them and educate them and feed them. And so that's uh, basically it. That's basically, that was a big transition and it had an ongoing transition. What makes transitions so important to a person's life? We all dread them, but when we look back, they're, they're so important. Yeah, I think transitions are, they're, the, the transitions are transformative formational because they you have to leave the old behind and you have to decide the in your present uh, how you are going to maybe plan how you're going to move ahead to the future which is you don't know what that is but it, by trial and error with information that comes certain information people and when I when I decided to move to trans to transition from remodeling to authorship, I hired a career counselor. And then I also joined Toastmasters because I knew I needed some structure. Without the structure, I think it's very difficult to move ahead because you know, I can waste my time easily. But I think with a career counselor, he, Patrick was his name, he kept me on. We talked about it and that's how I came to decide to write. And then also with Toastmasters, I decided to eventually speak but that's taken a little more time because I, when I'm in front of people, I'm thinking, oh, I'm being judged. You know, am, am, how is my, how was my speech being taken? How was my presentation going to be accepted? 
so that is a little more it's a little more challenging but those two i think have given me some structure because i know that in toastmasters i can prepare i can plan and i can give it in in a safe space right i'm going to be given the, the evaluations from fellow toastmasters is extremely helpful and it, it encourages and it kind of bolsters my confidence as i'm going along so it's been very important what advice can you share with our listeners who are in the process of transitioning to another career? I would say that you need, I think the most important part of a transition is the choices we make. The choices create change. And if we make choices that are going, that we know, like goals, for example, right? You make a, decide when we we have this goal of becoming a, improving your career. But this goal eventually make you, will make you, or, and make you a better person. And the same thing is true with choices. Choices give, produce better changes and changes produce better transition. But it's the choices that, really, that change our lives. When you're in a transition, it's, it's, how do you recognize early in the transition that you're going through a transition? Because a lot of times change just kind of happens and then all of a sudden run to catch up. For me, I knew I was in a transition because as I was driving my truck, and this is my late 50s, I heard this soft voice saying, you know, Charlie, you need to start planning what's going to happen after your remodeling. And, not the, and I was getting to a point where remodeling was been there, done that 32 or 33 years by then, you know, and I was thinking, geez, you know, and the, and the children were leaving. They're gone. Two of them are already gone out of college. Another one, our youngest, was entering college and I'm thinking, well, it's, there's, there's something and less energy as I'm older. And I'm thinking I, there's got to be something else I can do that pass my experience and my knowledge onto the world. So it was those three things, those big things where the children were leaving and the remodeling had been there, done that. It was, and, and there was this, this voice and then this feeling of wanting to do something better, something bigger. I think if we think about doing something that's bigger than ourselves, that too is a driver. It's a puller as well as a driver for, our, and then passion. And, and I was concerned that, that I wouldn't have the passion of that I've had these past years with a family and married and career that I really loved, that it would take me something that I wouldn't be happy with in my future life. And I didn't, I didn't want to fall into the trap of not having a purpose, not having passion. I've noticed that as my friends got older, we, we hit a point around the end of the 50s or well, when the children are gone and all of a sudden we have all this freedom again. And people start changing their lives drastically during this time. Have you noticed that? I've, I've noticed a, a lot of freedom. But, mm-hmm. but with that freedom, I thought now am i wasting my time mm-hmm. is this freedom i know there's there's a certain amount of freedom but that has to be cushioned by uh responsibility but i know yeah there's freedom and i think if i'm if i'm not going to be if i'm not going to devote and focus myself on what's the future going to bring i think that i could i mean i i do take time to do things you know to mm-hmm travel I like hobbies have hobbies and we do Molly and I do uh, volunteer work 
So, but I think it's a balance. It's maybe that's it. You know, nature is really all about balance, right? And I think we're being such a good an integral part of nature as humans that we also need to have some sort of a balance in our life. And as we approach this retirement, people say, well, you know, you, you are, you deserve it. You, you've worked 35 years, you've worked 30 years or 15 years or whatever. You deserve now to lay back and sit back and enjoy life. But I think that life has a certain spirit. The body says that, well, if you don't have a purpose, you don't have a spirit, then maybe, maybe you aren't going to, aren't going to feel so well. Maybe you can become sick. I think this wanting to do something bigger with, with yourself than, there, than you have right now, I think that's important for the spirit to stay vibrant and, and energized. How do you stay energized through a transition? Because many times you have so many things come at you and it can be overwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. I think by reading and it, you know, I think there's a lot on the internet that you can read about and, and there's also like I said, that career counselor, I still meet with him periodically. And there are other people in Toastmasters that I meet with. And we talk about goals, keeping the focus, right? Keeping your eye on the prize, as the old saying goes. I think that's part of how you can continue. I can continue to be energized. Charlie, uh, do you get to hang out with other authors of children's books? I have two other uh, authors who I know and who I talk with who are authors of children's books. And I have recently, I've been given a, which has been great. This woman who I knew is an author. She's has some four or five books published and she invited me to produce a video. I've never done a video, but I spent the last couple weeks doing that. And I have, uh, it's now I'm eventually gonna, and within maybe hopefully the next week, I'll put the video on my website. But that has been very helpful because I, I don't know if I would have done it, you know, but how do I market? The book is an allegory, of course, and, but, but this is a, an analogy I've come up with is that when, we're, when a couple is pregnant, right, the mother is pregnant and people say, how are you doing? You know, that's like when the, the, when the concept of the book is in my mind. And then all of a sudden the child is delivered and people say, oh, can I hold that baby? It was so cute. And, and there's all kinds of accolades and some in the praise and, and all kinds of, oh, how wonderful is this baby? But then all of a sudden, it becomes old hat, right? I mean, oh, you've seen the baby, you know, okay. No, so, now, so now the parents are going, well, geez, what are we going to do? Now we got the baby. I guess we'll have to get the clothing. Well, that means we have to maybe get a better job or, or we have to school it or we have to, we have doctor bills and we have another mouth to feed. And that's like having a book too. I mean, it's, I've talked to a number of people who said, you know, Charlie, I have an idea for a book. Well, what do you think of that? I said, well, that's, that's great. You have the book and you produce it. But then what are you going to do with it? How are you going to market it? Who's your audience? What is the message? Is it going to be a strong enough message? If it's not a strong enough message, people aren't going to buy it. But if you don't push it and you don't market it and spend time as you would a child who are you, you're raising, it's not going to fly. Is there a guild or an association of authors of children's books? There is. Uh, let me see. It's a, um, I can think of it right now. But there is, there is a, an organization, and I'll think of it eventually. Okay. Do you get inspiration from them for other books? You know, I don't. I, I, was, I was on Facebook, 
And I, I had so many other authors saying, hey, Charlie, you know, can you market my book? Or what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So it's, it's been, uh, so it takes a lot of time to do that. So I've really not pursued that angle, but I thought about how can I market it to parents who, I think the important thing about why it's big day is that the, the adults can read that to children and they can dialogue on fears. You know, the children have lots of fears, right? You'll hear about that all the time. And our children have fears too, but, but the parents can talk about, you know, what did Wyatt, when Wyatt didn't want to climb out and jump in, out of the hole in the first time, of course, you don't know the story, but, but it's about the, the Wyatt is, you know, when he's born, he doesn't know where he's at and he's thinking, well, what can I do? And his mother says, well, you know, you're gonna have to leave the nest. And so then he tries the first time, but he can't do it because he's afraid. So then he climbs back down and he asks his nine siblings if they'll do it. And they said, no, we're not going to do it because you have to do it. Why? We're too fearful. And he eventually does it. And he's, because he does it, he becomes the leader. So that's important. I think that's an important thing for parents to talk about their children. It has affirmations in it. it you know, the book says, I'll be, I'm going to, uh, I'll show you a copy of it. So this is why it's big day. So then, and the, and then, you know, and it's, it's, it just talks about him not, you know, climbing up and wanting to jump, and he doesn't want to jump, like I said. And 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 so it's a, it's an opportunity for it's an opportunity to dialogue about courage and fear. I'm always curious about the illustration process, and I don't have children, but I have young nieces and nephews that are under the age of nine, and we've developed a birthday tradition where I take them to the Wild Rumpus Bookshop in Minneapolis, oh, sure. and then we go for ice cream, and they get so excited, and they go in there, and they start ripping books off the shelves, and sitting on the carpet, and they open the books, and oftentimes they look at the cover, and they're like, wow, look at the monkey, or look at the dog, and I'm like, in a child's mind, what really captivates them, and when you're writing the story, how much input or direction do you give to that illustration process, or do you leave that up to the illustrator? Great question. Well, I wrote the text and I also, I, I met with a, a, a publisher and we, and then that, she, that was a guide, she guided me through the process. When I first wrote the text, I did some stick figures because that's basically what I'm capable of is um, stick figuring and how the ducks, you know, I just did some rough drawing. And then I met with, then the, the publisher gave me the name of three uh, publishers, uh, th three uh, illustrators. I chose one, her name was Darcy Bell Myers. And she then, and I gave her my rough drawings and the text, and she did the paintings. It's absolutely beautifully, I mean, and uh, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Absolutely the, the case. She put the a picture of, uh, unbelievable, I mean, it's uh, in this page alone, Oh yeah, I mean it's beautifully illustrated, and it shows how how loving her the mother is. It's like she could wrap her wings around the baby. So that's basically uh, the illustrator. I think really, and a, a friend of mine uh, uh, called me a couple of weeks ago, and she says, you know, I have a nephew, and he's an illustrator, and I wrote a book, and what do you think about me having him do the illustration? I said, it all depends on the quality of, of that you want in the book. And if it's, you know, beautifully, has beautiful pictures, people love it and they will pass it on. But maybe if it's not such great quality, maybe they won't. Uh, 
that's that's my guess. Hi, Charlie. I have two yeah. questions. Okay. So regarding to transitions, as we get older and looking towards retirement, I saw this happening with my parents. They're going to retire. They had no plans. Mm -hmm. And it became apparent after a couple of years, the mind slowing down. They had no goals. Their only goal was going to Denny's or Perkins. Which one are we going? <laughs> oh my God. And so, and now I'm back into nursing and I've, I work at long-term care at the vet's home. Oh yeah. And I can see the patients that have transitioned well into seniors and the patients that don't because they have no goals, they have no interests, the ones, and they become cognitively declined, dementia. But then I have my 90-year-olds, they were in World War II, they've got iPhones, they've got iPads, and they're speaking to the world. And it really goes to your state of mind, and are you willing to accept change? Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you stay open to change, your odds are better. So as I look towards transitioning to retirement in a probably a year, I'm already starting to plan on what I'm going to do. You know, it's a loose schedule, but I've already started investigating and opening those doors. Mm -hmm. And that's very important. So that's really a, a big key. My next question is this. Well, it's kind of a statement. Lisa mentioned wild rumpus and I'm the chair of our neighborhood organization and we do a children's reading event in Wyndham. You lived in Wyndham. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do a children's reading event every February and we invite children's authors mm -hmm. and we also align with Wild Rumpus and children's authors come and present their books and uh, Wild Rumpus is one of our affiliates. We mm -hmm. had to cancel this past February but down the road hopefully next year we're going to resume. So please send us your website. Okay. All right. What are your feelings anyway, back to the, about transitioning into another phase in your life? Great question. But I think, you know, cause we are truly part of nature and I think, you know, we have four seasons and there's constant change. And for us to say no to change, it probably it's, I think it stops us. It pauses us. It puts us in a, a rut that is very difficult to get out of change. Change is so important to keep, I understand. I you know I've, I know older people too who are extremely technologically capable, and they're always looking. Molly, my wife, she is always looking for new ways. She's an extremely smart techie, very very capable. And I think the more the more that we can learn and push ourselves, create something new, creating. I mean, the spirit I think thrives on creativity. Tony Robbins once said. He said that it's not that we, are, we don't have a lot of resources, it's that we are not resourceful and that creates problems in our lives. So being resourceful is a, a great way to move forward. Gary okay. Anderson here. Yep. Uh, I've been listening pretty intently about what you have to say. Now that you've done this and you've got some good ideas to contribute, have you ever considered transitioning to motivational speaking? You know, I have, and I have had, I've not had really in a, a vehicle that I've really felt passionate about until I just came onto this transition. You know, it's my own life's transition. And I thought about it and I thought, you know, I've been able to so far transition from remodeling, which was a very strong passion of my life, to now an author of a children's book. 
in, in writing. And now I'm able, I think, to address children's needs, their wants to want to read a book that's, that's motivating and that's encouraging. From there to my ancestors who've made this huge transformation, they've been able to transition from mining to eventually my grandparents with three children moved from Illinois, the coal fields to Wisconsin and began farming a dairy farm, which they had never done before. And they did that for the rest of their lives until they retired. But it's by having a strong passion for doing something really would make me, allow me to be a, a good speaker. But I, I'm not there yet, but I'm still working on it. And Toastmasters, as I said, has been a great, great place to learn and to practice. Practice. There you go. Practice. Yeah. It's a safe place. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Does that answer your question? Certainly. Thank you. As you became a motivational speaker, what is the message that you want to send out? I would, as a motivational speaker, I would say that there is always something wonderful around the next corner. That's the idiom, but you know, that is always true. There's always something exciting. How curious are you? How curious am I? And how much do I love myself to actually become something bigger than I am right now. But I think it's, it's absolutely essential to want to become something bigger than you are right now. There's this bigger picture out there. And the more curious we are, the more we would want, the more passionate we are about our lives and what we have to offer other people, the more we will move forward. And older life will not be scary. Most people are scared. They go, oh God, you know, I only have so many years left and I got this and I got that. And, and I, I don't know, I'm bored. How can you possibly be bored? I mean, you can be bored, right? But I mean, if you get the risk, right? Risk is important. If we don't risk, that's another deterrent to our health. We have to risk, no matter what it's going to get for us. But there's always, it seems like when we risk, there's always something, a reward that's going to come out of it. And it's looking, and also something that I've come to really look at more is my past life, you know, and I think, well, I've made some mistakes, you know, but okay, well, okay, so we all have, right? But to look at the, my past as being perfect, that it got me to where I am now, from where I was before, all this has built up and it's layered and it's giving me, giving me the skills and abilities I have so far and what's in the future, there'll be more of that. It'll be, it'll be a great life. I think the thought about risk is so important. We're always so concerned about safety. You know, is that safe to do? And even when I look at my grandchildren, we're always saying, well, be careful, blah, blah, blah. We're always trying to mitigate the risk. Right. But it's always when I take a bigger risk that I get a bigger reward. And we, we tend to forget that. Mm -hmm. So what risks have you taken that you think brought you uh, surprising awards? I think the risks I've taken is when I was in, I was 30 years old, I decided mm -hmm. that I was building management. I was, I had been building management for two years. It was a steady job. I had all in income and I had the benefits, but I thought, no, I need to, I need to do something else. And so I, I accepted a position as a real estate, uh, selling real estate for a big commercial real estate company. And uh, this is in eighties and things didn't, weren't moving very well. And I didn't know what I was doing. And 90 days later I was fired 
And that was how I then, I spent the next two years doing some temporary jobs and I hated the, the fact that there wasn't anything that was passionate about those jobs and something, nothing that really excited me, no purpose. And then I, it just so happened that a friend of ours asked me to do some repair work in our house. And I did it and I was really excited about it. And she loved it and she passed my name on to her friends. And that was the start of my remodeling business. So it was the risk I took that failed. And at the time I thought, this is the end of my life, right? I, I failed. I had two small babies at the time and a mortgage and just moved into a house a few, few months before I made that foolish move. But, and, and my wife said, don't, do, don't take that job because you know you have no background, you have no experience. I thought, oh, I can do it. Well, you know, it's, uh, that's a risk. <laughs> It turned out, fortunately, perseverance, and I don't think you can ever quit. I think that's another thing. You know, we can never quit because if we quit, then we've uh, acquiesced to the fact that we're not going to find out what's at the other end of the rainbow, so to speak. Charlie, uh, Charlie, it, it really sounds, I have a statement before the question. It's not, it sounds really much like the story about Wyatt is really a story about you. Boy, how perceptive of you. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't realize that until after I published the book. That is really perceptive. What all, What do you have in the, uh, what's in your future? What books are you going to write now? I'm going to write, write a book on transition. Yeah, I think that's my next book. And it's good about my own transitions. And it'll be sort of more, more of a personal book as more than, than a uh, how-to. Well, there'll be some how-to. I'll you know, give some examples of my transitions and then and then what lessons I've learned and, and how can people apply it to their lives and maybe some exercises. I'm not sure how the book is. I'm still kind of formulating that mind, my mind. But. I'm curious what your thought process was. I ran across a quote a few weeks ago that said, don't judge my book by the chapter you walked in on. Oh. Rewrite your next chapter and you don't know what that's going to be. So what do you think is the biggest stumbling block for perhaps people that are looking to write that next chapter, but to get that conversation in their head into action steps that, that stops them? They're like, oh, I want to do this, but what if, what if, how do you transition from your brain to your feet running out the door and making it happen? Or what's a small baby step you can do to get past that? I think writing and write down your feelings write down your fears, write down your hopes, your dreams, and think, writing a journal. I have a gratitude journal that I've written in for 15 years. Every morning I write what I'm grateful for, what the day, the previous day was, how important that, what I've learned, what I've been, what I was grateful for, what abundance I have. Also uh, write in a journal a little bit about what is stopping me, what can, how can I move forward beyond what is, what I think is in my way and in guidance. And I think that's really important is the journal and have a journal. Did that answer your question, Lisa? It did, yes. That's a good perspective. Yeah, and I think the risk, the risk is something that's very difficult for people to accept. The uncertainty, the fear, and people around them too. You know, I it's important to have as your, as your support people who, who support you. People who are not fearful, maybe, or they're, or they at least they'll talk about their fears and your fears together. To have people who are supportive and who are familiar with moving forward and taking maybe baby steps and that'll lead to bigger steps, it's essential. 
for courage because there are a lot of people who say, oh, no, you can't do it. You're not going to do it. You're too old. You don't have enough money. You don't have this. You don't have that. I mean, some of that's true, but, you know, miracles happen all the time, right? At least I think they have in my, in my life. I mean, there's been a lot of miracles that have happened. What would you be your, your advice on how, how do you embrace the risk? Because we all tend to shy away from risk. How do you embrace it? I take my time. You know, sometimes I, I'm uh, fearful. I do something else. I do gardening or I do walking or I do driving. And, or I, I ask myself, well, if, if, that, if what I'm fearful of, it falls apart, make a big mistake, then what's the worst that can happen? If I can do, if I can, I can do what I'm doing and it doesn't work out, then I'm no, no more so often I am right now because I, I'm okay right now. Again, Charlie, uh, I've got a nine-year-old granddaughter and we take turns reading stories to her. Mm -hmm. This sounds like a good book. I don't really have a book that I prefer to read to her. It might be a good one for us to talk about mm -hmm. and not just read to her, but discuss. Yeah. But then I got to thinking, who would be the best person to give this to, my granddaughter or her parents? You know, you could give it to her as a gift because I usually write in when I, when somebody says, you know, to whomever I say, may courage and curiosity be your lifelong guides. And she'll keep that probably, she'll keep that book for the rest of her life because it's beautifully illustrated and there's that, and then I've signed the book and give her that, give that message. And it, a lot of facets to that, to that book as well. You know, the fact that like, there's affirmations and there's, you know, some dialogue in it. I think you can give it to her as a gift from you, Gary. And she'll treasure that because if she, you know, if you're in a good relationship with her, she will definitely be excited and consider it a treasure. Okay. So, Charlie, when her parents or when Gary read the book to her, mm -hmm. Is there any type of guide at the end or anywhere that help parents or grandparents to know what kind of questions to ask or what to emphasize on a certain page? The book ends with, it doesn't have an ending that will solve your any problems, right? It also, but ends with saying, Wyatt stopped. He saw his brothers and sisters had landed safely. He was ready to explore his new world. Mm -hmm. So that leaves it wide open. So they're going to say, well, what is your new world going to look like? How are you going to plan? What would you love to see for your future? And they can start dreaming. What's next? So what? What's next, right? You've made it this far. Now what are you going to do? Because the onus is up to you, right? You know, where are the only where are guides of our own lives? Nobody else can, if we don't set out a plan and chart our own course, I don't think there are many other people. We can, other people can tell us what to do and we can work for them or, or we can work on our own lives and tell ourselves how worldly or not our future is going to be, depending on if we have positive or negative thoughts. You can always extend and build a new story in anybody's mind. Do you have any suggestions for, I have one particular person in my life who loves to read and she loves to write as she's eight going on nine. Do you have any tips or tricks that can encourage kids that have a really creative mind and they want to put it on paper when they go beyond past just coloring and they want to put it into words. Uh, do you have a good relationship with her? I do, yes. Can you encourage her to 
you know, that, like this career counselor that I went to, we spent a number of sessions talking about what our desires, what my goals were, my desires, and coming to the realization that I love to write, and that I had that I could, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize I could, but I, you know, I tried to, uh, those four manuscripts that I wrote and didn't like, but writing and having something that passionate that she is to to write about i think that's important and i think if you can talk to her about what are her passions you know talk about what are passions most children don't know what a passion is maybe but they're all passionate right they're all passionate about something children have the greatest passions of anybody because they've not been taught not to have a passion how does our society teach us not to have a passion how does that happen? I think it teaches us to be fearful, right? It teaches us to oh. keep your nose to the grinding stone or whatever, however that goes, that goes, you know, just don't think outside too much outside the box as the saying goes. I, I my guess is that, and we listen too much to negativity. We don't listen too much enough to our hearts, you know, our, our desires. And I think that's an issue in, in, our, in for people and people have to learn. It's not something that is just, an immediate thing that's so easy. It, I think we have to learn to be take more risks and to be more passionate about ourselves and our lives and, and how we matter. Just about a matter of growing and growing and accepting ourselves and wanting something better for ourselves. What's the next big thing that we can do to help ourselves and help other people? There's always possibility, I think, for helping other people. And the more we know, the better, the better we become in ourselves as a, as a person, the more we can help other people. I think part of it is not settling. A lot of times we're kind of taught to settle. Well, if it was good enough for yeah. me, it's good enough for my children kind of attitude is I didn't go to college. They don't need to go to college. I've run into that so often. Yep. We do tend to each other's dreams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do tend to step on each other's dreams. Yep. And if we can avoid those people who step on our dreams, and sometimes it's very difficult, right? Because we are we kind of in in families, you know, families are difficult. I had a difficult family growing up, but thank God somehow I was able to move forward and do things that I really loved about my life. So but Families can be very difficult, and I think it's people who want the best for their children and themselves will uh, move that those children forward and move themselves forward in a process because it's a it's a mutual. I think we mutually help each other uh, move forward in life. This day and age of electronics, um, <laughs> I resisted a lot, but when my flip phone died. <laughs> 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 you weren't available. I had to upgrade to a smartphone. Oh, that's funny. I know. But my daughter, my granddaughter seems to be the exception. She still reads actual books. Mm. Is this thing available electronically on ebooks? No. I, I just have it in the hard copy. That's all. I've not done anything else with it. But it's, you know, the nice thing about having a hard copy is that it's always there. You know, it's, if you have a glitch in, in the computer and you lose the ebook or whatever, I don't know, I've, I've just, I'm kind of a traditional guy. People have told me I should go in the ebook and I thought, oh, I'm gonna sell it as a, as a hard cover that's always 
and the pages can they're all, they're beautiful and there's not it's it's when you're looking at a screen whenever I'm looking at a screen I don't get the same quality that I do when I'm looking at a page at a book and to be able to turn pages is for me it's what's 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 but what's the next page look like what's what's next what's next you know there's a few golden books that my parents still have that oh wow. They let the kids read, and I said, don't you ever throw those out. <laughs> a lot of people who, who have that, those libraries, and they go, oh, these are my treasures. I'm never going to get them up. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, this can be a treasure that people will put in their library and, and keep it. I right next to green eggs and ham. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, that's a great book. Yeah. My, kids, my kids still talk about the uh, Amelia, the Amelia book, where, you know. Amelia Bedelia. Yeah. What? Is it Amelia Bedelia? Amelia Bedelia, yeah. What? In fact, our oldest son married a woman by the name of Amelia. And we had read that book so many times to him when he was a child. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Amelia Bedelia. I want to thank you so much for coming on our podcast. The theme of transition is so, so important that we keep those transitions coming one after another. Absolutely. And it's important to look at your life that you've led and said and say, how, what have I done to, to make it there and to make it here and to make it as I, where I am right now. It's important to look at our histories because they are so important for having gotten us there. They're all professionals. You've all, all achieved great things in your life. That otherwise you wouldn't be where you are. It's remarkable. You all belong to Toastmasters groups and your professionals. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And Charlie, I appreciate that you talked about being let go after 90 days and that that was something that helped you move on to the next step. So not looking at it as the final piece of your story, but it's, it's part of it. And you couldn't have gotten to the next journey if you had not completed that one. So. No, mm -hmm. oh, it, was, it was great. Yeah, it was very fortunate to leave a, a job that was, had an income and some benefits and go to a job that didn't. It's fortunate that I, and I, was, I was really upset for, for a long time, years afterward that I was fired. But then eventually I thought, well, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to start my remodeling business if it hadn't been for that. Because then I found my true passion and my skills and my abilities all worked great in my life. Well, thanks. Yeah, thanks all, all of you for your questions and being interested enough to you know, allow me to be a, a guest on your podcast. Thank you for listening to the words we use. Own your voice and make your words matter. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review.